just want to take a moment and just acknowledge uh, last week, last Sunday, there was real faith in this room. Real faith in this room. If you were here, if you weren't, I don't know how you, I could explain just the faith in this room. Um, you know, there's a real hunger for the things of God. And um, we believe that anything is possible. And really the challenge last week, we're in a series right now called Jesus Town, keeping Jesus as the center of our faith. And that may sound obvious, like, well, yeah, no. So many people want a, want a Christianity without Christ. They want faith without Jesus. The Bible says it's a form of godliness without the power. And they want the benefits of church, community and purpose and, 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 and music and the good feelings that all come with church but they don't want the lordship and following Jesus. And it's a struggle for my life and it's a struggle for you. But there's something we're keeping Jesus at the center and you cannot lose your ask in this faith. Hunger is everything in our faith. Hunger is everything. And longer in this, sometimes it's harder to have that hunger. Um, me and my wife, we, obviously we work in the office together and we'll both head for home and she's like, can you pick up maybe some groceries on the way home for supper tonight? We'll do this and this and this. I'm like, great plan. Problem is, there's an A and W next to our office. Some of you know where I'm going with this, and uh, I'm like, I haven't eaten all day. I'm starving. I can't even think about groceries. So I'll pull into the drive-through right next to the office, and I'll get something before I go get groceries because I'm told don't get groceries when you're hungry. So it's good advice. The problem is, I sit down at the table and we, we make something for supper, and, and I'm, I'm not hungry. You know, what I've learned in my spiritual walk: often when I'm not hungry, it's because I'm full of myself. Sometimes you're like, I don't really feel God. Some of you I'm talking to has been around for a while. Like, I just feel numb. I don't really feel like I have a desire for the things of God. Can I challenge you to maybe make some room? There's something about when you have not eaten and you've been working and you're like, man, I will just, it's funny how when you're hungry, you're not fussy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about when you're hungry and all they got is those wheat thins? And you know what I'm talking about in the pantry? You're like, <laughs> you want turkey, but you'll eat those wheat thins if you're hungry enough. Something about hunger. And I learned this, hungry people are not critical people. So I love our church. We're not critical as a church. I think there's a hunger. But can I encourage you to press in, deny yourself? One way to do that is in the prayer room. We had new people even this week in the prayer room. God's doing something in our prayer times, in our services. And Monday night, ladies, you meet at 7.30. All church, Friday mornings at 6.30. If you're, I'll encourage you this. If you feel like you're not hungry, uh, something about coming for prayer puts a demand on your spirit. And uh, God is doing something. Amen. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 4. If you want to turn your Bible on or turn to that page, Luke chapter 4. I want to read a few verses today and encourage you as we continue this series, Jesus Town. And uh, good to see you online, church. Thank you for moving up and moving in today. Um, God's doing something in our, in our church, and we are thankful. So thankful. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's a whole message and a whole point right there. I do not have time. It would not allow me. Make sure you be, before you return to where you're called to be, you're filled with the power more than just willpower, more than just um, Instagram and um, influencers, more than just quotes. You better have some God power in your life. Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues. And was praised by everyone. Be careful when people praise you because they'll very quickly try to nail you to a cross. Just in the same chapter, they try to throw them over a cliff just a few uh, verses later. Be, beware when people praise you. Don't, take, don't let the praise go to your heart. 
Don't let the praise go to your head. If you do that, the criticism won't go to your heart. It says they, they, they praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue. That was his tradition, to go to church on the Sabbath. He stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. Now, Jesus is right now about to read scripture that almost every single person in his hearing knew what it said. They had memorized it as good Jewish children, and it was written 700 years before Jesus had this moment. It was about the Messiah, the one that God the Father is going to send to save his people, and he's reading these words that were written about him. So you need to know this. The Bible is such an intricate uh, book, and, and, and there's threads all through it. The, the Old Testament tells all about Jesus. The New Testament talks all about Jesus. The whole thing points to Jesus. 700 years earlier, Isaiah is prophesying, is telling what God's going to do when Jesus comes. Jesus stands in the temple, 700 years later, opens his scroll, and all heaven is on the edge of its seat going, here's the moment. Isaiah saw it. Prophets saw it. Heaven declared it. It is ready to go. Here we go. And not only did he unroll the scroll, at that moment he was unrolling God. God's plan of redemption. Watch what Jesus says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. I love this. I don't have this maybe on the screen, but verse 21, he began to speak to them. He said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What he said, what Isaiah saw and Isaiah said, what history was waiting for, what heaven declared, you need to know, it just happened right now. I am the Messiah. Today, for these next few minutes, I just want to encourage you under this topic and this thought, if you're taking notes today, that's a problem. That's a problem. Look at your neighbor and say, we got a problem. Someone call Lisa and say, you have a problem. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this church. Holy Spirit, we believe in your power. We thank you for the requests that were made last week, the hunger that was on display. And God, again, we thank you that you are able. We believe in the impossible, God. Pray for miracles of healing. Miracles of healing today. We pray for miracles in Jesus' name. Everybody said, who do you call when you have a problem? Who do you call when you have a problem? Do you have, do you have that one friend? Do you have that, like, two friends? Like, when you have a problem, who do you call? Uh, a couple years ago, I was at a meeting uh, downtown Halifax, and I had borrowed someone's truck to drive it. It was a pickup truck, larger than I'm used to driving, and it had a cap on the bed of the truck. And I'm going to this meeting, and I was running late, and I, I had to get downtown and find parking. So I go into this parking garage, downtown Halifax, and I see the bar that says the maximum height, and I thought, huh, I'm... A part of me says, I don't know if you're going to fit underneath that bar in this underground parking. I'm looking at the, the front of the cab. I'm looking at the bar. I'm thinking, I think I'm good. I think you know where this is going. I, I, I thought, I can make this. What I didn't account for was the back of the truck, the cab went up in the back, the bed of the truck, the, the cap on it. I pull into this parking garage, and I get about 20 feet in, and I start hearing a scraping noise. That's not good. We tell our kids, if you pull up next to a curb on our rims, our nice rims on our cars, and you hear scraping, that's not good. 
And when you hear a scraping noise when you're driving, that's not good. And I was like, oh, no. So I get out, and sure enough, there's now that, that, that coating, that, that foam they have. It's now falling on the ground, and now I'm stuck. Of course, then three or four cars pull in behind me, and now there's a traffic jam in this parking garage. I don't know what to do at that moment. I'm just stuck. I can't go backwards. It's now stuck. I can't go forward. I don't know what to do. How many are just feeling a little anxiety right now in that moment? I'm late for my meeting. It's, it's an important meeting of someone who was going through a crisis. I'm already late. I've got to get in. I don't know what I'm going to do. Now I'm stuck. It's not my truck. I don't know what to do. Panic in that moment. And then I, I just thought I had a brilliant idea. Because I used to watch MacGyver. <laughs> MacGyver was a show we used to watch when we were younger. I got out and I flattened all the tires on the truck. That's pretty genius, I thought. And the truck lowered. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do after my meeting, how I was going to get home. But right now, there's traffic and people are beeping and there's stuff falling. I'm like, I just got to figure. So I flattened all the tires on the truck. And sure enough, I pull ahead and I'm good. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I thought it was a genius moment. I actually thanked the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The problem is I kept going and then the roof got lower. Now I'm really in deep. And now I hear scraping noise and I see things falling in, in the side mirrors. I don't know what to do. And I got a buddy that works in that building. I thought, I need help. So I call Murphy. I'm like, Murphy. He's, in a, he's like, Miller, what's up? I'm like, Yo, I'm in a meeting. I'm like, what are you doing right now? He's like, I'm in a meeting. I'm like, I need help. I need you in the parkade. I'm stuck. I love that he didn't ask what I meant by that. <laughs> he just comes down to P2, parking level 2. He comes down. And he's like, what would you do? I'm like, I'm stuck. Cars are beeping. I'm like, stand on the back of the truck. And, and Anthony's one of the strongest, biggest, muscular guys I know. And he just comes in and he stands on the bumper. If he's here, he remembers the story. He's in a meeting. He's dressed for work. He's got his work clothes on. He stands on the back of the truck, drops enough, and I start driving. It drives enough that it's lightly scraping. I pull in. I pull out. I get out. I look at him. He is covered in white stuff from the ceiling all over his body. I'm like, thanks, Murph. I'm late for a meeting. He goes back up and finishes his meeting. Gosh. So thankful for people to call when you have a problem. Luke 14, it's interesting, it says this in verse 14, that Jesus returned filled with the Holy Spirit power. Then it goes on in verse 18 and 19, and it's a list of problems that Jesus was planning on solving with his life. See, this today, if you'll lean into this moment, it'll challenge the way you see your life, those around you, and what you value of the person of the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes when you mention the Holy Spirit in church, depending on your theology, you go, number one, I don't know what that means. Or secondly, you're going, it's about to get weird in here. If you grew up in the kind of church I got into, you knew whenever the Holy Spirit was talked about, there was potential something was going to happen. They were going to bring out those blankets for people that were going to fall down. Some of you like, I don't know what that means. You just, just know it's a thing. There's going to maybe a shofar was going to happen in the back, you know. That's always a great, might have been a Jericho march. Things could happen. If you were younger, that's when you get the popcorn out. You're like, this is going to be fun. The problem is so many times we can find the person of the Holy Spirit to an altar time into church services. But it says Jesus came back filled with the Holy Spirit, and the first thing he did said, okay, these are the problems I'm going to solve. Jesus starts listing problems. He says, I'm coming here full of the Spirit today. My life is about to unravel and unroll this ministry. Let me tell you why I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Number one, to help those poor in spirit. 
which speaks to those that have their own righteousness. They're, they have spiritual poverty of going, I'm just going to be good enough. Our world is full of it. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I try my best. You're like, no, no. Your, your righteousness is so poverty-minded, you can never uh, get to where you need to be in heaven. You have the wrong mindset. You think so less of yourself or you think too much of yourself. It's spiritual poverty. He says, no, no, those that are poor in spirit, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to fill them. They're going to have a rich relationship with the Father. He says, captives will be released. You need to know sin makes people captives and enslaves them. I remember being a young man taking notes in church. I was 13, and I actually took this, and I put it on a typewriter. Typewriters were these things we used to have. And I remember typing this quote and putting it on my wall, and this was the quote. Sin, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep, her, keep you longer than you can afford, and cost you more. No, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you can afford. Sin enslaves people. And Jesus said, I'm coming to set captives free. He said, I'm coming to bring sight to the blind. Sin blinds us. And Jesus comes to hear our spiritual and moral blindness. People think, I'm good. I'm good. I have my truth. You have your truth. I'm moral. I'm a good person. He goes, no, you're blind. I'm going to give you sight. He says, I'm going to set the oppressed free. You're like, wait a minute. That sounds like the captives being free. No, it's different. Setting the captives free and then setting those oppressed free. See, sin oppresses its victims. Captives have walls around them. The oppressed have captivity on them. It's very common that when someone's been in prison too long and they do their time and they're paroled and they're getting out of prison, you'll hear about all the time that they've been institutionalized, that their mindset, they may be free, they walk out of the penitentiary, they're free woman or man, but they still have that oppression, that captivity mindset. So many will actually go commit another crime because they will say, I'm more comfortable in what I know in my cell than in these streets. The thought of trying to fend for myself and get a job and navigate, even though what was a place of keeping me captive has actually become my safety place, I have seen this. God will free somebody from your sin, but we still have a captivity mindset. You still think the way you used to think, and you can be free, going, man, God's freed you from your sin. You have forgiveness, but you still think about the old things, do the old things, talk about the old things, value the old things. You're still negative and depressed and down, and just nothing can happen, and God's not good. Listen, God wants not only to free you from your sin, but he wants to free you from the oppression that your sin gave you. You've been freed to stop living with captive mindsets. Jesus' life summed up, if I could sum it up, is Jesus found problems and he solved them. See, we, we avoid problems. Like, like, here's how I, like, it's funny, those that are under the age of 30, I'll say, how was your week? Anything new happened? They're like, nothing new. And they say it so down, like nothing happened. I, someone over 40, how was your week? It was awesome. Anything new happened? Nothing new happened. Why? What that means is I just want nothing to happen. I don't want no problems. I don't want no, I just, it's a good week when nothing happens. You know what I'm talking about. We, we had this thing with problems. Jesus actually came to solve problems. His first miracle was solving a problem. It says in John 2, 1 to 5, it says the next day Jesus was at a wedding celebration in, in the village of, of, of Cana in Galilee. And his mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Verse 4, this translation, I love the way it says this in verse 4. It says, dear woman, that's not our problem. I recommend men, do not talk to your wife that way. <laughs> if you want to say John 2, 4, and then she can look it up later, I don't know. But I don't, I don't recommend, 
You talk to your mother that way or your wife that way? Dear woman, that's not our problem. That's what he said to his mother. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. And I love this. His mother ignores him. She probably gave him the stank eye, but she ignored him. And she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Another version says, just do what he tells you to do. Isn't it interesting? Jesus' first miracle was a problem. He's sitting there. It wasn't healing somebody. It wasn't delivering somebody. It wasn't raising someone from the dead. It wasn't preaching. His very first miracle was, hey, there's a problem. Do something about it. His, very first, his last miracle, ending his life on earth, was solving a problem. 1 John 2.2, he gave his life to pay for our sins. He not only paid for our sins, but he paid for the sins of the whole world. Isn't it interesting? His life was bookmarked by problems. He came, he started by solving a problem at a wedding, and he ended his life going, sin has robbed people. It is ca- I'm, I'm, I'm defeating sin and the grave with my life. Jesus came to solve problems. I want to encourage you, church, because I believe that we need to get this into our heart. It'll change the way you view our gatherings. It'll cha- change the way you view your workplace, your school. It'll change the way you walk into a room. Is when you understand as Jesus followers, we're building our faith around Jesus. And then we understand we are here to solve problems. Otherwise, you could give your life to Jesus. Say, God, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I repent. Would you be Lord of my life? And then he could take you right then and there and you're done. You're in heaven. The goal isn't just to get us to heaven. The goal is to get heaven into us. And Jesus could have, if his goal was just to die on the cross, please don't miss this. Jesus could have showed up on the scene. He could have rolled out, ticked enough people off, nailed them to a cross, sacrifice was done. It would have been valid because he was sinless and he was holy. They could have killed him in a week and our sins would have been forgiven. Why? His mission was more than just the forgiveness of sins. It was to launch the church that would impact the world. The goal for you coming in your faith is not just to get you to heaven, but you understand that you are on assignment. It'll change the way you walk into your grocery store. It'll change the way you talk to your cashiers. It'll change the way you go to work and go to school. It'll what? Because you now know you are on assignment. Jesus came to solve problems. We are here to solve problems. If you change your vision, you'll change your life. If you change your life, you will change the world. Problem solvers. But we have this thing in culture where we just want to avoid problems. I want to stir up your faith today to see us on assignment. We're not just here to have a large church. We're not just here to have multiple services and what God wants. This is not why we're here, to gather just so we can gather. We are on assignment by God to worship him and to reach the world. Some of you need to be reminded of that because otherwise you'll become become a connoisseur and a critic. But when you understand you're on assignment looking for problems, something starts to happen. If you change your vision, it changes your life. If you change your life, it'll change the world. My mentor said to me, he said, Mike, if you solve other people's problems, you'll never be able to work. It's the absolute truth. Absolute truth. Every plumber here knows what I'm talking about. Every mechanic knows what I'm talking about. If you can solve someone's problems, you'll all, you're thinking, how am I going to find enough work? Solve problems. I have spent my life, I feel like God's like, just solve problems. Try to solve problems. Reaching young people, young adults. We're trying to reach people with the good news. Those far from God come close to God. We're spending our lives going, there's problems that God's called us to solve. When God moves in someone's life, there's a core conviction that we're here for a reason. It's not fame. It's not for your influence. It's to solve problems. David solved the giant problem. Moses solved the slave problem. 
Daniel solved a persecution problem. Joseph solved a nightmare problem and a famine problem. Esther solved a genocide problem. Nehemiah solved a construction problem. Joseph solved an adoption problem. The wise men solved a money problem. And Paul solved a church planting problem. When you understand the spirit of the Lord is upon you for a reason, it's to solve problems. It's been a common thread for Jesus followers throughout history. You need to know that as Christians, uh, through their history, people, the church has given so much to the world. It's been, it's been popular in these last few years to just, just to criticize the church and be down on the church. Oh, not, not in my life. I will block you. I will, I will unfollow you. I will avoid you. I am pat- church is not perfect. Church is not perfect. But it's just the bride of Christ. But the church has blessed the world. Do you know that Christians invented the hospital? Hospitals did not exist until Christians invented the hospital. Listen to this. It was the middle of the third century. The world found itself oppressed by a plague. It stayed there for 13 years. At that time, the population of the Roman Empire was reduced by 30%. 30% fatality from this plague. The practice of Christianity, interesting, was illegal at this time. In fact, it was the capital crime, punishable by death. More, and, and it was even more severely during the plague. They wanted to punish Christians for preaching and being Christians. Why? Because traditional Romans blamed their run of bad luck on the Christians' refusal to sacrifice to their gods. And at that time, church leaders rallied the believers and called their churches to act with heroic charity during the plague. And they said, listen, Christian doctors, just don't give care to the believers, but also to your pagan neighbors, the very people who were trying to kill them. It was the church was, the church invented the hospital. In fact, the foremost expert on the history of hospitals, Dr. Gary um, Ferngreen, this was um, in, a, in a study by John Hopkins, said this, the hospital was in origin and conception a distinctly, distinctly Christian institution rooted in Christian concepts of charity and philanthropy. There, was, there were no pre-Christian institutions in the ancient world that served the purpose that Christian hospitals were created to serve. None of the provisions for healthcare in classical times resembled hospitals. The Christians saw a problem and said, we need to solve this. Think about what, the, what, what Jesus followers, full of the Spirit, said, we're going to solve this. The printing press. I don't even know if we understand how revolutionary that is in our season of life. was invented by a Christian in 1440 in Germany. Johannes Gutenberg invented the movable type printing press and started the printing revolution, which changed everything with knowledge and education. And why? His goal was to print scriptures for the average person. That's why we have the now famous uh, Gutenberg Bible. The printing press was invented to get scripture into people's hands. Someone said, there's a problem. We just can't have one person know the scriptures. There's only so many Bibles. We can't wait for the priest or the pastor or the minister to read us the word. We need to read it for ourselves. We need to get the Bible. And they said, we need to invent something. It takes too long to write this out. And the printing press was invented for scripture. And then the printing revolution happened. Let's look more modern. The laser printer was invented by a Christian. I don't know if you've used a printer this week at all. I know I have. Gary Starkwater, inventor of the laser printer, encourages believers to think biblically about their work. As an engineer and inventor, he worked with some of the leading technology innovators, Apple, Microsoft, Xerox. He credits his success of his inventions to the guidance and inspiration of God. Listen to this quote. I believe that to a great extent, the creativity we possess is because the creator put it there. 
To have Jesus at the center of our lives, filled with the Holy Spirit, is to have a core belief to solve problems. A country, a city, a culture where Christians are should be a better place. We are a church filled with problem solvers. And you know, there's some people, we have a problem, and they're like, I can't go to them. They don't see it. They don't, they don't see it. They see it as a bother. Other people see it as a challenge going, oh, this is, this is actually what I'm here for. We're actually surrounded in this church by problem solvers. I can start pointing them out today if you wanted me to. I can point them out. Just solve pro- Last week, we had a record number of kids. You need to know that comes with problems. Do you know last week we actually had three or four kids that couldn't get into junior? They had to stay in the lobby because we ran out of room, teacher ratios. I say that not to feel guilt. I say that because someone inside of you go, I need to solve problems. Some of you need to understand why we get you to move forward and move in. Some of you are like, I, don't want, I, I want to sit on the aisle and I want to sit at the back. And I understand health issues, that's different. But some of you are like, no, I want to sit where I want to sit. I don't think you see the problem. And other people are like, where do you want me to sit? I'll sit side stage, I'll sit up front. I'll, I'll, where, where do you want to problem solve? The, 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 this church is full of problem solvers. I'll give my talent. You know, the amount of problems we have on a Sunday with things that don't work. Is Brad back there? Brad says amen. Brad's a problem solver. Spirit of the Lord on his life. Volunteers. Every light, every wire, every speaker we bring in here, Brad oversees. Why? Because he says, we have a problem. We need to get the word of God loud enough and visual enough people can see it. Online church needs to be available. How are we going to make that happen? Let me solve that problem. We have people saying, I'm going to solve a problem. Come early. Set up drums. Set up keyboards. I'm going to figure out how to sing. You drove from Moncton? Drive from Moncton to come and serve. Once a month, once every six weeks, drive from Moncton to come down and serve. He's at flight school in Moncton. He goes, no, no, I, I see a problem. You need, I want to be a part of a church that solves problems. You need to know that something starts to change when you start to understand that we're filled with the Spirit of God to solve problems. And the same Spirit that was on Jesus in Luke 4, the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Jesus rose from the dead because the Spirit said, we got a problem. You can't stay down there. If you stay down there, you're like everybody else, every other God, every other prophet, every other teacher. You can't stay down there. You have not defeated the grave. You may have defeated sin because you died for the sins, but we need to defeat the grave. There's hope when you get, you need to get up, Jesus. You need to get up. We're not done. It says the same spirit that raised Christ. It wasn't Jesus' willpower. It wasn't his, his, his good record. It was the spirit of God. That same spirit that said, we're not done. There's a problem. Death has a grip on society. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Get we sang about today, started to rattle. Started to rattle. Jesus said, I got to get up. Why the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in, dwells in you. So Why? That's the question. Why? To solve problems. Fill with the Spirit of God. I think we need to find giants and find problems. I believe the church is a part of solving homelessness in our city. Wrestling with this, going, we're trying to get a building. God, what do you want to do? God, use us, use the church in Halifax. I am so thankful that we were a part of buying temporary shelters a few years ago that were supposed to last for four months and now it's three years later because the, the need is there. I believe the church is a bunch of problem solvers not going, wait, I just, I want my coffee and my comfortable seat, not in the middle and not at the front. Have I made that point enough? I think I just did. I think we're called to be a part of solving homelessness. I think economic, 
God wants to start businesses, grow your businesses. Yes, to bless you. Yes, to bless your family. Yes, I believe God wants you blessed. But I also think you're going to be part of changing the economic um, problems in our city. There are people that need jobs and need healthy workplaces and need opportunities. I'm not going to call him out, but I ran into one of our church members this week and he introduced me to uh, a newcomer to the country. Been here three days. He goes, I got him a job. He's now working with me. I'm like, you are solving problems. Someone coming in with insecurity of food and housing and finances. He's like, no, I'm, I'm a part of helping people solve problems. I think educational. Man, I, I've never had more conversations about how our educational system this last year and how challenging it is and some of the stuff being taught. Okay, we can complain about it or we can do something about it. I think there's problem solvers in this room. Medical. I'm so thankful for the people in our church that lean into the medical system. Man, I don't know if anybody complains more about the medical system. Then we got people going, I'll, I'll, I'll work those shifts. I'll do that. I'll, I'll go in there. I'm dealing with PTSD and burnout. But you know what? Someone's, we, we are blessed with people here going, I'm going to lean in. I think government. I believe there are people that are going to be coming out of this church that are going to be elected to government that will change our city. I believe that. I believe in my lifetime I'll see it. I believe that. Not, not to stand there and be obnoxious, but to go like a Daniel going, I'm going to come in like a Joseph. I'm going to come in, I'm going to solve problems. Whether it be a nightmare for this person or a famine for this person, I'm going to come in and solve it with the principles of the kingdom of God. It's not just to gather here. The Spirit of the Lord's honest to solve problems. Where's Tyler at? Is he here? Come on in, Tyler. In a moment, I'm going to get you to stand. Tonight, Five churches and then some nonprofits in the city collectively are launching Recovery Church. It's happening tonight, 6 p.m. It's for those that are in need recovery. They're, they're in addiction. Addiction is, is ravaging our city. And they're in the middle of it right now. They're just, they're just, they're drowning in addiction. And the Spirit of the Lord wants to free some people. It's also for people that have been delivered and are going through the recovery journey, and they're like, hey man. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. And there's other people going, I may never battle addictions, but I have a heart for addictions. And I'm going to lean in with people and do the hard work, drive them to church, pick them up, help them, go to their meetings with them. People in recovery, people that have gone through recovery, and people that have a heart for recovery. And Tyler, I'm not going to get into your story. You're going to pray. But Tyler is a, a, a man sitting here because of the miracle of the Spirit of God working in their life. Before we pray for recovery, church, in a moment, I'm going to get you to stand. Church, I want you to lean in on problems. We're called to solve problems. I don't know who you're running into, but they have a problem that the Spirit of God wants to address. The Spirit of God is like, just let me at them. Just, I can do something here. Jesus stood up and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to solve a whole bunch of things. Blindness and captivity. People are dealing with lack and poverty. I'm here to solve problems. That's why I exist. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for this reason. Church, we have a mission as a church. It's not to just have buildings and services, that we will have both. I, there is a mission on us. To Our city is better because we exist. Is your schoolroom better because you're there? Is your workplace better because you show up? Is your grocery store, is your street better because we are there? If the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, it should be. Oh, God, I pray for dreams to start being birthed in this place. There are books to be written. There are businesses to be started. There are problems to be solved. The, pre the premier, this is going to be a rant for a second. 
the premier put out this thing. If you're in healthcare, we need your advice. If you know of anything that can help our healthcare system, we'll give you $1,000 possibly if you send in your request. And people criticize, oh my goodness, I can't. I'm like, he's trying. Well, I'm not in healthcare, but I sent in, a, I sent in an idea. I don't want any money. And I sent in an idea. I think one idea can change the world. God wants to put an idea in your heart, sir for your business, how to reach your teenager. I can't reach my teenager. God, will, it's a problem. God, will get him to youth on Wednesday night, number one. And secondly, he'll speak to you how to connect with your son, connect with your daughter. My marriage is just going through something. It's a problem. It's a problem. The Spirit of the Lord wants to help you speak the right way, the right words, to come in and love your spouse and watch what God will do. This problem in this area and problem in this area, all the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Today we're going to pray tonight for Recovery Church going to launch. For those in recovery, those have gone through recovery, and those have a heart for recovery. Tonight, we don't know who's going to show up. It's not a unity service for the city, but it's those that have a passion for recovery. And we're going to believe people are going to walk in there in their lowest moment, and they're going to encounter the Spirit of the Lord. That's on young men like Tyler. Going, I've been where you are. You need to know you can be free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We're going to pray and believe for miracles. You know what? I love this idea. What? There's a problem in our city. Let's do something about it. Let's not post about it. Let's show up. Let's pull up, as the kids say, and let's do something about this. Can we stand to our feet? Tyler, would you pray for tonight? Would you pray for the Spirit of God on this service and all those involved? The five churches, the, the nonprofits that are involved, would you pray? We just don't want a nice service. We need the power of God. Here's how you know you're catching this today. If you're like, it's not my problem. I'm good. Are you good? We're sober. We're good. No. You start to understand that addictions are ripping families apart. Without getting into your story, when you found yourself living in an ATM, was it Amherst? Strung out. Oh, but God. God wants to do something in our city. And you're a part of it. You're a part of it. We're going to pray for tonight. Can we agree together as Tyler prays? Can, we, can you get your amens behind this? Can you lean in on this? Can you stir your faith, this faith, this faith to ask that he'll do immeasurably more than just a service with pizza and coffee and a band and a testimony? Can we believe for immeasurably more? Oh, don't lose your ask. Because yes. we got a problem. But we have the Spirit of God. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. So, Lord, I'm believing for salvations. I'm believing for miracle moments. I'm believing for the chains to be broken in addictions, in depression, in anxiety, in confusion, in different areas of life and in minds, Lord. I'm believing that the spirit of the God is going to fall upon Recovery Church, that chains are going to be broken, that people that have been held down for years in our community and the surrounding communities, Lord, are going to be free because they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ the same way that I did. I walked into a service and was set free, Lord. So I pray that you set these captives free. I pray that the Spirit of God just snaps the chains, Lord. And I pray that you soften hearts right now, Lord. You draw them to Recovery Church. They might not even know why they're going, Lord. But when they get there, they hear something that they've been searching for their entire life. Because it's always been you, Lord. The answer has always been you. So we lift your name high, and I encourage everyone here to contend in prayer for this city full of people that are chained to addictions, Lord. We worship you. We give you all the glory. Thank you for deliverance from addictions for anyone in this room that has experienced it. And I pray for many more testimonies to come tonight at Recovery Church, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. 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 We got a problem, but we have a God. Amen. Come on, as we get ready to close, can we sing to this God that solves problems? He solved your problem. He's solving my problems. Let's worship today. God is good. Caffeinated coffee's free, it's ready to go. That's a problem, we can solve it. Go pick up your kids if you don't. That's a problem we don't want to solve. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday or at the prayer room, Monday night or Friday morning.